0: Dynamic Diversity Bringing us together like we're supposed to be
1: Dynamic Magazine We're all different, but we can learn from each other Yeah, from each other In Dynamic, Dynamic Magazine
0: Hello, this is Dynamic Diversity Unfiltered, Dynamic Leaders for a Changing World magazine's premier podcast. We bring you the voices of today's renowned societal leaders and average folks talking about what they do, how they got there, and what they're thinking about in the controversial world of diversity, inclusion, and race relations. In this episode,
1: it's important for us to understand the intersectionality because I believe so many of the issues that we face today are because of a lack of of inclusion and diversity. Dynamic talks to Kaj Naji Goons, who is definitely a millennial on the rise. Contributing to the political process, advocacy comes in many forms. And for some, that is through direct contribution to policy making. Politicians have the power to shape policies that affect every aspect of our life. For Kaj Goons, he believes his efforts are best put to use by being a part of the political process that creates these policies. Kaj is a Morehouse College 2017 student, NAACP Political Action Executive Board Chairman, Youth and College Division, dynamic future leader, and Kaj served as a millennial panelist at the 2016 Namco Leadership Diversity Summit, and he made such a great impression that he was included as a 2017 Dynamic Men of Excellence. Stay tuned for what he has coming up next. Don't blink.
0: Tell our readers a little bit about you, where you grew up and how diverse that community was.
1: Yeah, well, I'm originally from St. Perot, U.S. Virgin Islands. I am, um, I grew up in a two-parent household with my mom and dad, um, which was all a blessing. Um, but I also grew up um, going to relatively considering the fact that I was in the Caribbean um uh, was mostly predominantly white and predominantly mixed and so for a while I was going to school with individuals who were who were white and and I had black individuals in my classes but um but you would always feel that effect of having white students in your class at times you'd forget you were in the Caribbean but um, the community that I was in, though the community that I grew up in, was so di- was so diverse in respects of different individuals from different islands, mostly black, Puerto Rican, uh, uh, Latina, Latino. Um, but but yeah, that 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 was really the extent to the diversity of the community I grew up in in the Caribbean until I moved to the states, Washington D.C.
0: And how old
1: were you when you moved to the state? Well, originally I moved to Brunswick, Georgia, um, and I was eight years old. I was eight years old when I moved to Brunswick, Georgia, and I lived there until I was 11. And then I moved back to the Virgin Islands, and then I moved to Washington, D.C. when I was 16. And I lived there six the age of 16 to 18, and then I moved to Atlanta for college.
0: Okay, and what is your major and
1: why did you choose that career path? My major is political science. And the reason why I chose political science was because I have always had an interest in policy, an interest in what politics and the decisions that individuals that are elected in office, how it affects everyone, how it affects those who have um, low income, those who it affects who – are within the LGBTQ community. Those who those policies affect every single individual that somehow, uh, you know, have a certain level of interaction with our community. And so for me, politics has always been a way. Our country is a nation of laws. Our country is a nation that executes those laws to the best of its ability. And I feel that it was my place to have a hand in making and executing those laws, and so I decided into political science to learn a little bit more about what it means and how these laws are made in what manner, and my own personal conviction and feelings and how they matriculate over a period of time that would affect my viewpoints in creating these laws and so i just I chose political science because I felt it was my best contribution to the society I was in. To develop any talents and skills that I have in creating laws or in executing those laws,
0: okay, wonderful, and as a peace corps ambassador, tell us about your your role and how your organization helps to foster diversity and inclusion international in internationally and specifically on a political level
1: well, I will tell you this the 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 peace corps uh since president um john f kennedy has uh created it has fu- foundationally found itself to be a mechanism for inclusion and diversity and so for me what we were doing as as peace corps ambassadors were was we were in a little bit of a, a unique environment considering the fact that we were in um hbcus but what we found was that African Americans didn't know that the Peace Corps was necessarily uh, um, an option for them. And so what we did was we we created a system in which we would go out and advertise to African Americans as a way for the Peace Corps to help them make a difference in the lives of others while giving them the practical experience of being in the international sphere. So we We included a different viewpoint for individuals that may have been low income over a period of time in their lives or may not have seen a route after college. But we we fostered inclusion through allowing individuals to see how Peace Corps could help them change their lives while helping um, them change someone else's life as well.
0: And why do you think diversity and inclusion is so important on, an, on a global scale?
1: Well, I was, uh, diversity is diversity a national scale mainly because I don't fundamentally see how an individual can make a decision about any aspect of life, whether it is LGBTQ rights, whether it is. Um, um religious freedom, whether it is um income inequality, and not think that they must include the mindsets, the way of living, practical responsibilities and the struggles of every individual that will be affected by these ideals. I cannot make a decision about women's health and I haven't spoken to women. I, I identify as a man. Okay? I don't I can't make a decision about Someone's religious beliefs when I don't even know what the Quran says, I identify as a christian so it's important for us to understand the intersectionality because I believe so many of the issues that we face today are because of a lack of of inclusion and diversity in our mental constructs in our way of thinking in our cognitive inability to 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 be accountable for everyone else. we say, "I am my brother's keeper." we say, "I am my sister's keeper." yet we fall short on a constant basis of including my brother and my sister's mentality, ideas, feels and and thought processes, and so And so I think that's why it's important. Our economic stand, our physical, our 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 soft and strong power, in the next century and over the next couple of centuries, will be dependent upon the ideals and strength of our ability to be inclusive of women, of 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 religion, of of sexual orientation, of every aspect. And I think that is why it's so important for us.
0: Okay. And gun control is a very controversial topic in the U.S. currently. Tell our readers what the Georgia House Bill eight five nine is about, and why getting it vetoed is so important.
1: Well, House Bill eight fifty nine was, um, and it, it was it, it, House Bill eight fifty nine was vetoed. Um, I believe that was um, it was a while back now. I think the information that we have um, is a little is a little. But House Bill 859 was vetoed, but what it did was, and it's important to still discuss it because here in Georgia we still see efforts to have the gun um, bill pushed forward in different ways, such as ratification. But what House Bill 859 did was it allowed individuals on college campuses to to carry guns, on public college campuses in the state of Georgia, to carry concealed weapons. Into uh, everywhere except for inside a dormitory and in their car, oh, and they had to keep it in their car. Um, the reason why this was important for us to get it vetoed was because, for me personally, and there are many advocates to discuss this, but one, it increased the it, it, what we saw is that when a weapon is involved. First of all, if two individuals have a weapon, the first person to draw their weapon is more than likely going to use it but however, the individual who does the other individual who has a weapon is more than likely going to forget in that moment that they have a weapon, so practically less than one percent does not serve a purpose for more than one individual to have a gun what it does is it raises the level of danger so for me telling you that you have a, if you have a gun you can protect yourself most times if that person is not trained if that person just has a gun, they will not use that gun but what it also does and what we found is that it also increases the level of sexual assault perpetrators when a weapon is involved and forceful sexual um, conduct is committed, we have an issue where individuals will use that weapon and the levels of sexual assault misconduct will increase. But lastly, what it also does is, and I said this at my hearing, adding water to a drowning person's situation does not help. We cannot find ourselves include more and more guns into a situation, we can't find ourselves including more and more guns into a situation, which guns are already the problem. We have issues with people that are mentally unstable getting guns. We have issues with the level and dangerous types of guns that are on sale being sold just rigorously. We have more regulations on medication that can help people than we do with guns, and we've seen an increase in these terrorist attacks in respect to white individuals that we refuse to call terrorists. And and adding guns to an already worrying situation just does not help. And that's why we we tried to fight 859. That's why 859 was vetoed. And um, but we still have a fight ahead of us, and um, and I look forward to keep, to continue fighting it.
0: Okay, and there has been quite a bit of success in recent decades with regards to recognizing LGBTI rights. Despite this, there is still a long way to go. So tell us about the Georgia House Bill 757, which you had a hand in, and how would this will bring about more visibility and equality for the LGBTI community?
1: Well, Georgia House Bill Bill 757. It focused on LGBTQ rights. What it did was, and and again, this is, this is a time thing, but we did one. We couldn't. When we, it, it, it's it's more of a, a a complicated situation. So what? So I have to talk about it when, we, so in respect to Senate Bill One Forty Five as well. Now, what Senate Bill One Forty Five did was, it focused on allowing people, or, um, um people within the l g b t q community they would be able to file charges of rape here within the state of georgia um so going back to um to to bill seven fifty seven what it did was it was a religious liberty bill, so we weren't able what it did was it allowed individuals within the um in the state to reject l g b t q individuals from service just because of the fact that they quote they, The way it was written was it was an infringement upon their religious beliefs, but what it allowed them to do was discriminate against individuals who were LGBTQ just because they were LGBTQ. That is not an inclusive America. That is not what it means to be a state or a country that represents all individuals. What is allowed for us? To not be able to serve LGBTQ individuals, QIA individuals, because we didn't feel that they were living right. And I didn't believe that that was something we could pass judgment on. Also, it, it, and that's why I brought up Senate Bill 145. We don't have to represent LGBTQ individuals or or individuals who are raped by um, men because of the fact that they're LGBTQ. Rape is rape. Service is service. And and to judge someone based off of their sexual orientation or how they define themselves is just not the type of community that we choose to live in and that I choose to live in. And so we fought um, 757.
0: Okay, and and you have been, you have been the youngest for many things in the last few years? What advice would you give to young people who are often who often find their age is a disadvantage, either because they're not taken seriously or because of lack of experience when they're trying to advance in politics?
1: I will say, keep pushing, <laughs> and and that's cliche to say. It is cliche to say, but I would say you 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 got to keep pushing. You can't allow individuals who don't respect what you do or don't 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 have the same passion for what you do to affect how you think about the efforts you put forward. I, I would say personally on my level I've dealt with times where those who I thought would support me didn't support me. Those who I thought would be there for me weren't there for me. There were times where I'd be up at 2 o'clock in the morning writing and sending emails, creating LinkedIn accounts, um, uh, editing information about myself so that I can get my name out there and and try to advance my career. It takes time. It takes time management. It takes serious effort and dedication, but it also, but mostly, I would say it takes passion. If you don't have the passion, it won't work. You're going to deal with hard times, and there have been many times where I thought I should have quit. But at the end of the at the end of the day, you realize that this is what I want to do. And if I want to do this, it means I have to do A, B, and C. And if I do not accomplish A, B, and C, then there's no reason for me to do this. I have to change my path. But at the same time, I would also advise that you do not think that you must go the traditional route that everyone else goes. One path, for me, does not work for everyone else. You have to carve out your own ideals, your own ideas, your own way of thinking, your own way of operation, and fight for that. Because by doing that, you know you create your own rules about what you will become for yourself, and for those that you will impact directly and indirectly. That is an extremely important aspect of what we do and, and of what I have done over a period of time, and that's my advice. Create your own ideas, create your own path, and stay dedicated to that path, because if you do that, then wherever you land, you have no choice but to be pleased with it, because you did. <laughs> you did it for yourself, and you did it for those who you will impact.
0: Okay. And in that case, do you think mentoring is important? And if so,
1: why? Oh, I think mentoring is extremely important. I, I, I always been very important to me to know that there are individuals who support me. Not to say that my entire um, existence or success is dependent upon those who support me, but I I found extremely valuable when we, in respects to the ideas and ideals that individuals who have come into my field before me and have succeeded in this field, they have to say what types of um, advice do they have? What types of um, advisement can they give about where to go and what to and in what manner to do it? Not necessarily take their path. But when you get to a certain situation in which they have been in, what does it mean to me? Mentorship is extremely important. I created a mentorship program, which I had about six individuals at Morehouse by themselves, which I meet with once a month, and I talk to them about what's going on. And and many people don't know I did this uh, over time at Morehouse. And as I come to a conclusion, and I conclude my time at my tenure at Morehouse, I I it, it, it's bittersweet, but I know that these individuals have come up and learned something from what I've gone through, I've learned from people like my father, from people like the life my grandfather my great grandfather lived. Right awesome. and, 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 and so and, so and these, are, teams, are, these are these are
0: some of your main stories I'm sorry? I am assuming these are some of your mentors, because my next question would be to tell me about some of your mentors and some of their experiences that motivated you.
1: Well, so these are some of my mentors. My my father definitely. Um, uh, my father was a a strict father, but as I've gotten older, what I've realized is that his his advisement of tenacity, his his his. Innate proclivity to make sure that I was ready to take on every in, every issue that I faced um, was extremely important and has become extremely important to me. My father was one, and he and he continues to do this. Um, he 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 calls me, and he every every idea I give to him, he constantly questions it he says well why is it this way have you researched it and it has put me into a sense that everything i do everything i talk about i must research everything i, I discuss i must i must i must know but and my mother is the same way my mother has been a support system for me who she says she every time i'm feeling weak she calls and says did you fall when this happened? did you did you think about it when? Do you remember when you were ten and you fell? Do you remember when you were thirteen and this happened? Learn from those situations. And 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 another person is I have this I have this thing this 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 short little phrase called legacy of leadership. I want to live a legacy of leadership. And I get and many people ask me where I get this from, and I will tell them I get it from my grandmother. My grandmother passed away. In 1997, from breast cancer. But the the the, the thing I tell people is that is that it is extremely important for me to always discuss the legacy of her life, because my grandmother was a teacher, a, a high school biology biology teacher, and over a period of time, I have seen the life that she's lived come to fruition through the things that happened to me. For instance, my godparents, who are like my grandparents, they they have been dedicated to watching me grow, who are also some mentors in my life, um, watching me grow due to the life my grandmother lived. She was their best friend, and she asked them, she said when she was dying, will you continue to look after my family and not let them fall apart? And to this day, they have been are the backbone of my family. My grandmother helped open, helped a gentleman named um, Donnie Cornelius at, 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 in, in St. Croix open up a car um, driving school. That man, when I walked in, he almost was in tears when he told us that my grandmother helped him open that school and that school would not be open had it not been for her. And he and I became extremely great friends. It, it, it's it's almost it's almost like everything she did was in effect to help me and my family later on, no matter what happened. That's the type of life I would like to live. That's the type of thing I would like to do. And so, um, so mentorships are extremely important. And these are some of the mentors in my life as well. All
0: right. Okay. And the last question I have for you is. Uh,
1: Tell me, what is next for you? Uh, I, what is next for me is, well, first of all, I'm going to graduate from House in May. Uh, <laughs> <willing>. <laughs> after that, I will be um, – I have a couple things in the air. Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, Atlantic Council, um, working on foreign policy at a think tank in Washington, D.C., um, possibly a little bit more campaign but later on down the road I would like to be going to a uh, law school preferably at an Ivy mm-hmm. and then once I uh, once I graduate I plan to practice law probably as general general counsel and then I will run for political office my goal for me is to make it to the White House one day but currently <laughs> uh, it, it is, but first and foremost, it is to help as many individuals as possible. And like I said in the beginning of this interview,
0: okay. And just before like, I let you go, right? Just before I let you go, you served as a panelist in the 2016 Namco Leadership Diversity Millennial Panel held in Atlanta, which received great feedback. Tell us what this experience was like for you.
1: It was great. I the the experience I got from Namco was absolutely amazing. It, I I'm forever grateful for it. Um, being able to sit uh, uh, on a panel with some other distinguished young leaders was absolutely amazing for me. Um, I I'd love to do it again if if possible. Um, I have great respect for Namco. It, 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 that simply put, it really was an amazing experience, amazing event, amazing amazing dialogue, and. Um, and I'm just grateful for the inspiration that was in that room. It really was. It really was um, breathtaking and, and and life rejuvenating.
0: Okay. Well, on behalf of Namco, I want to wish you all the best with everything you have coming up for you. And thank you so much for taking the time out to do the interview with us.
1: Thank you so much. You have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening. And remember, you can talk about making a difference. You can take action to make a difference. Or you can join Dynamic in doing both. Until next time, stay blessed and be inspired.